uh, it, is, it is good to be back. Um, you know, I always, I always like to take my, all my vacation at the same time, partly because uh, Norma's a school teacher, and so she's off for the whole summer, and it gives us kind of a good amount of time to be together, to do stuff. But also, and I've been doing this for years, and uh, it, I have the same reaction every time. I, like the first week that I'm off, I drool. I, like, I lay on my couch, and I just drool for like a week just to kind of recover. And then for like two or three weeks, just have, you know, do some fun trips and fun with the family and whatnot. But then always the last week, it's like, I can't wait to get back. And, and that's how I really felt, especially even more so coming back. I just feel that there's so much that God has for us and there's really good stuff that's on the horizon. And, uh, and it was really fun for me. The very first thing that I did on, uh, on Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock, was lead the 21 days of prayer. And so to, to jump right into 21 days of prayer, and there were lots of you guys that were here, and there were people online, and we were just all praying together, believing God for good stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited. And the other thing about me taking all that time off is you guys get to see uh, the deep bench that we have here at the North Jersey Vineyard. Because a lot of my pastor pals, they'll be like, oh, when you take four or five Sundays off, you know, do you get outside speakers to come in? And I'm like, we don't need them, you know? So, so everybody who spoke is on staff, is pastoral staff here at the church. We started with Mike Terugiano, and you may not know this, but he's like part-time staff with the church and helps with like leadership development and coaching. Uh, and then, you know, I, I remember the order, but we heard, from, we heard from Thomas, our youth pastor. We heard from Grimaldi. We heard from Charles. We heard from Marianne and Sue last week. And, and you realize what a, like, what a deep bench we have and what a blessing, you know, the pastoral staff that we have, that people are like, Phil, take some more vacation. Phil, you know, it's all right. We got, you know, we got to cover. We're good to go. Um, so usually what I do in the month of September, uh, as we're kind of coming back into everything, is I've got about, about 10 different subjects that I'll revisit, things that I think are really important, that I think are important for us to kind of get into the foundation of our lives as well as the foundation of the church. And I kind of circle, I don't, I do different ones kind of every September, but over the course of maybe two or three years, kind of revisit some different topics. Uh, getting us ready, we've got, we've got the fall campaign that we're going to do in October. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the weeks ahead. 40 days of love, it's going to be 40 days for us to really focus in on how do we become the community that God is calling us to be? How do we do life together? How do we support each other? It's going to be really good. But I always want to kind of, you know, get us ready for that. And so today I want to talk about something uh, that's really important, <clears throat> that's very foundational, and that I think is really uh, possibly life transformational. And I don't, I don't say that uh, lightly. So I think what we're talking about today has the power to really change your life. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 6, in the Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, he doesn't say you might be filled. He doesn't say if you're lucky, you'll get filled. He doesn't, say, he doesn't, he doesn't give any disclaimer. It's a promise. He says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to fill you up. You're going to be filled. And so what does it mean to be filled? Filled with what? Uh, actually, you know what? The, so Jesus spoke in Aramaic. It was the New Testament was written in Greek. And so things can kind of get a little lost in translation. And so if you see, like, to kind of flesh out what, was, what exactly was Jesus saying, the Living Bible says that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be completely satisfied. The NCV version says God will satisfy them. So, so it's about being filled but it's about being satisfied. 
And so this message this morning is for everyone who doesn't feel completely satisfied. Right? Do you ever have that? There's like hunger pangs that this world creates. Like you're just like hungry and you're like, what? It's kind of like when you go to the fridge like late at night and you know you're hungry. Or maybe you're not hungry, but you just want to eat something, right? And you open up the fridge and the fridge is stocked. I mean, there's like everything. Like the, the, you've just did the shopping trip. Everything's there. And you're like, I don't know what I want. Or if you have this thing, I don't know if this has happened to you, but you decide, all right, you know, I'm going to order some food. So let me open up Grubhub. And so if you live in some parts of the country, you order, you open up Grubhub, there's like three restaurant choices. If we do it, it's like page after page after page. Like all the food can be at your house within 30 minutes, right? And sometimes it's like it's so much, it just kind of gets a little bit overwhelming. And we're like, I know I'm hungry, but I'm not sure exactly what it is that I want. I don't know if you guys remember that classic U2 song from the late 80s. Remember, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? Remember that song? It's like it's a ubiquitous song. It's been around. But, but, you know, the song basically says, you know, I've done this and I've climbed mountains, and, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, and so the band, U2, they kind of had authority to say that in a way, to say like, hey, I've tried a lot of stuff because U2, their like net worth is over $2 billion. Bono himself is worth over a billion dollars. So they have authority to say, we've sampled a lot that this world has to offer, but we, we still haven't found what it, is, what it is we're looking for. And what Jesus says, and what God says, and what I want to focus in on today, this morning, is that he has a solution. He has what it is we're looking for. He has what it is that can really fill us up. And so all of this and kind of dealing with this topic, it makes me think of the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the, it's in the Hebrew scripture. It's, one of the, it's part of the wisdom literature. It's like there with the Psalms and the Proverbs. It's kind of a weird book. It's, ever, it's a little bit weird. And I say, he's like, well, Phil, wait a minute. Hold on. You're calling the Bible weird. What are you doing? Well, it's like, it's hard to, because it's kind of dark. It's a little bit nihilistic. It's kind of like, you know, you've got the, you've got the teacher and people have thought in church history that, well, maybe the teacher Solomon, because it's somebody who like, you know, you too had everything, but still didn't find what they were looking for. And so the teacher, you know, is talking about all this stuff. They've experienced this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and so people have thought, well, maybe it's Solomon because uh, it says it's the son of David and it might be Solomon because he was wealthy and he experienced everything. But I came across this other, this other possible interpretation where it says, actually, though, you know what? There are, there are two characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. You've got the author and then the author introduces the teacher. And so the teacher is kind of a character, and maybe it's Solomon, maybe it's someone else, maybe it's a philosopher, but the teacher kind of goes down this dark path, right, and says, like, I've tried everything, and everything is hesed. That word is used 38 times, a Hebrew word. It's translated meaningless, like usually in the English translations, but that's not a perfect translation. It's kind of more like smoke or a vapor. And so what this guy says, what the teacher says is, I've tried everything, and it's all meaningless. It's all smoke. It's all vapor. And, and then what's interesting is I, I think that what happens then after the teacher kind of says what he has to say, the author comes back in and says, okay, guys, here's what we should think about what we've just heard about all of this. Because, because what the teacher says is they've tried everything. Like they tried to be fulfilled. Like, what is life about? And it's like, it's like this smoke, 
right? And one thing about smoke is we know it dissipates. It doesn't last too long. It's temporary. We know that. But there's something else about smoke, like especially a thick smoke. It looks solid, right? It looks like you can just grab it. But if you try to grab it, it'll just kind of go right through your fingers. You can't hold on to it. And I think, I think the teacher is saying kind of accurately, that's what life is like. You try to grab something. Try to say, this is going to satisfy me. This is going to fill me up. This is what I'm looking for. I'm going to try to grab it. Oh, I, I, I can't grab it. Right? It's kind of paradoxical. You know, we've got so much joy and beauty and good things in this world, but then there's, there's sorrow and there's tragedy and there's things that happen that just suck all the color out of life. And there's injustice and there's unfairness and there's instability and it's unpredictable and there are winds and there are waves and there's beauty, but there's hard. It's like, it's like a vapor. It's hard to grab onto. And so, you know, what happens here in the book of Ecclesiastes is that the teacher walks us through everything. And I like that. It's like kind of exhaustive, you know. And it's even though this was written probably like 3,000 years ago, it actually, it holds up for today. Because the thing that the teacher was trying, was looking to, to find that fulfillment, that meaning, it's the same stuff that we're looking for today, right? Even though it's 3,000 years later. And, and so the first thing is knowledge, Right? The teacher thought, okay, I'm trying to figure out what's life about. Where am I going to get filled up? I'm going to go get a degree. If I could just get into this school, if I could get these letters after my name, if I can get into the dream school, then I'm going to be complete. Then I'm going to feel like I'm ready, I'm good, doors are going to open, life's going to have meaning, everything's going to be great. But Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, nope, that's hesed. That also is meaningless. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Right? The, the more you know, right? It's kind of like, man, I wish I didn't know that. Or it goes on in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Can I get an amen from a student who just started school this past week, right? Much study wearies the body. It's not, it's not found in that. I'm not saying, you know, education is bad, but, but if you're saying that meaning and purpose is going to come with this degree, you're going to find out that it's hesed. You're going to find out that it's meaningless. Then the teacher says, all right, maybe it's found an accomplishment. I'm just going to do stuff. I'm going to climb the ladder of success. I want to get to the top of the ladder. Or I'm going to start my own company. Or I'm going to get involved in the dog-eat-dog world. And I'm going, to, I'm going to become CEO. I'm going to get the corner office. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to get to the very top. And so the teacher tried that. And then it says this in Ecclesiastes 2.11, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Everything was hesed. It was a chasing after the wind. It didn't give me what I thought. I got to the, you know, there was that saying, you climb the ladder of success only to discover that it's leaning against the, the wrong wall. And so he says, this wasn't it. And to make it even worse, what the teacher says is it got so bad. When I was trying to make achievement and building my company, and doing, when I tried to make that the focus of my life, I hated my life. Like I got to the point where I hated Monday. It's like I couldn't even stomach it. I hated being part of the rat race. Ecclesiastes 2, 17 to 18. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Have you been alive long enough to realize that we're all like just one step away from being replaced, 
right? I mean, we think that like what we do, that's so important, like no one else could do it. It's like, well, let us, you know what, let's see about that, you know? That, because he says, he's like, listen, everything that I'm building, everything that I'm doing, it's going to just benefit somebody else. So it's meaningless. It's hesed. And then he says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live the good life. I'm going to have stuff. I'm going to have the best of everything, lots of nice stuff, the finer things, Ecclesiastes 5, 10 to 11. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Have you ever, have you heard, you know, have you noticed that? That it's like, when is enough is enough? Like, when will Jeff Bezos say, I'm good? Right? I got enough money. Like, I'm good. But he won't because it's never enough. You know, how much money do you need for complete financial security? More than you currently have. Right? Every single person, even Jeff Bezos, would say that. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? And really what, what the teacher is doing here is he's quoting Biggie Smalls and just saying, more money, more problems. That has been the cheapest joke for years. Whenever I'm talking about money, I'll say more money, more problems. It always gets a laugh. So I'll keep doing it. As long as you guys keep laughing, I'll keep saying it. So we'll, we'll work like that. But, but really what he's saying, though, is like, all right, so you get nice stuff. And then it's like there's a consumption involved in that because if you have something really nice, you've got to put a camera on it, right? You've got to insure it. You might have to hire somebody to watch it. And then I love, too, that the guy, you know, the teacher says, like, really, at the end of the day, you get, like, a nice piece of artwork. All you can do is look at it. You know, it's like Tuesday morning. You're like, okay, there it is. I'm looking at it. You know, like, what, is it, what does it do for you? It's kind of like when you buy a new car. Right? I mean, all of us, we probably had like, you know, get a, you know, maybe you got a new car, you get like your dream car, and you get it, and you're so excited about your new car, you get like special sunglasses, I'm going to wear these sunglasses while I drive my new car. But then after, like, eventually the new car smell wears off, right? And, and then you go and they have that like aerosol can or whatever, the little Christmas tree thing, that's, it's not, it's not the same, it doesn't really work, it just smells like, I don't know, something, something from a car wash. And, uh, and, and eventually it just becomes kind of background noise. It just becomes the way that you get to work. And, and, and it, it's hesed, it's meaningless, it's a vapor. I mean, he keeps going. I mean, he pretty much exhausts everything. So, so, uh, so then he talks about being the life of the party. Right? The guy's wealthy. The guy has it all. So it's like wine, women, and song. Let me just be the life of the party. Let's just let it, you know, just the party keep going. But it says this in Ecclesiastes 4.8, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And so he's saying, listen, I've got people around me, but there's a loneliness that I'm feeling in the midst of the crowd. You ever felt that? A loneliness in the midst of the crowd. You got people around you, but you're like, does anybody here really know me? Does anybody here really care about me? Like, am I, am I investing in relationships here that are meaningful, or am I just kind of passing time with some strangers? And there's something about this current world that we're living in now. It, it, there, there's a, there's a, an epidemic of loneliness that's going on, where people are like, I've got thousands of followers and friends and stuff, but I don't know if I have one person I can call who will really be there for me when I need them. And so, you know what? He says that, having people around. Why are they, you know, when, if you got money and people are around, why are they around? Is it because they like you or is they like what you have? You know, it's like, so you end up feeling lonely in the midst of the crowd. So he pretty much exhausts everything. He goes through everything. And, <clears throat> and you can see that it's, 
the same type of stuff that people are pursuing today. And so, uh, you know, what's going to fulfill me? What's going to bring life? What should I give my life to? And then I think it comes back to the author. Right after the teacher kind of talks through all the disappointments and goes down this dark nihilistic road, you have Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now all has been heard. So I think here the, the author of the book jumps back in. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. He gets to the end of all of it and he says, listen, you want to be fulfilled? You want to know what life is all about? Fear God and keep his commandments. Now here, fear God, it doesn't mean be afraid of God, cower from God. Jesus actually took the same word that's translated fear and he said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what it means to fear God is to worship God, is to revere God, is to give God the place that he deserves. So what it means to fear the Lord is to put Jesus in the center of your life that what life is all about, what the author of Ecclesiastes says is, listen, we've exhausted everything. You can try to be filled up on all this different stuff at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to fulfill you is get as close to God as you possibly can. And once you get close to him, listen to him. Once you get close to him, do what he says. And so we see, listen, I think we have some modern teachers, modern Ecclesiastes all over the place. Look at Hollywood. I mean, people in Hollywood, I don't mean to pick on Hollywood, but, but it's like there people have what we all would say, this is the good life. This is what we're all aspiring to. You know, they have beauty, they have fame, they have wealth, they have multiple houses, but we just see over and over and over again, like, you know, the latest bio, you know, documentaries or biopics or whatever it is, and you see that it's just tragic lives of empty souls. It's hesed. It doesn't satisfy. And I know some people, I, I know some people who have tens of millions of dollars, like, like all, you know, lots and lots of money, lots of opportunity, who have sampled things and done things and say, you know what, Phil, the most important thing, the only thing that gives meaning and purpose is to get as close to God as I possibly can and to serve him and to love him and to be with him. And even though I've got the world at my fingertips, I know that it's a vapor. I know that it's meaningless. I want to know Jesus. I want Jesus. Jesus in the center of my life. I want to get as close to him as I possibly can. I want to help other people find the life that only he can give. St. Augustine put it this way, a famous quote. He said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. Right? That's where we find meaning. So let me ask two, two questions. First is this. What keeps us from hungering and thirsting? What keeps us from coming into everything that God has for us? Because, see, here's the thing. Like some of you, listen, I, you know, I, I love the eclectic group that I get to preach to every morning here in person. Those of you online as well, I want to say hello to all the, all the, all the live streaming people. Good to have you with us. But, but we have, you know, so many people from so many different backgrounds, different experiences. So maybe for some of you, this is the first time you're hearing that there's, there's something that God has for you that could meet the deepest longing of your heart. But honestly, most of us in this room, we know that, right? You've heard me preach about it. You've heard us sing about it. You've read books on it. Why is it that we don't avail ourselves of everything that God has for us? Why is it that we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we'll be filled? Why do we get so easily distracted? 
You know, I got to say, it's, it's, sometimes it's a little bit frustrating for me, and not in a bad way, but just kind of drives me. Because I've taken, for my adult life, I've put all the chips, I've put them in the middle of the table, and I've said life is about knowing Jesus, following Him, obeying Him, and, and encouraging other people to do the same. And I have imperfectly tried to do that for pretty much my whole adult life. So I'm all in on that. And there's so many times, though, as we're preaching it and we're singing it and we're doing everything that we can. And I've got my little pithy sayings that I say over and over again to try to encourage you. Like, you know, you're made on purpose for a purpose. Jesus makes life better, makes you better at life. All this stuff to encourage you to put Jesus at the center. Why is it that it's hard for us to do it? Why is it that the people who know better oftentimes keep pursuing the same things that the teacher in Ecclesiastes is telling us is meaningless? And we know from our own experience it doesn't fill us up. We go down these roads and it just its vapor, it's smoke, it's not something we can grab onto. And I've got two reasons. The first is this. We fill up on wrong things. We fill up on the wrong things. So imagine this. Imagine your mom calls you and your mom says, honey, sweetie, whatever your mom calls you. And your mom says, I'm going to prepare your favorite meal. Your favorite meal, you know that meal that's your favorite that only your mom can do. And you can go to a five-star Michelin-rated restaurant in New York City. It's not going to come close to what your mom can do. Right, that meal. And so, so she says, come over, and I've got, you got this, this great meal for you. And so, and so you're like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. I can't wait. And so you're hungry. And so you're driving to your mom's house, and you pass the 7-Eleven. And you go into the 7-Eleven, I'm a little hungry, let me have a little something before I get to my mom's house. And you go, and you know how in 7-Eleven they have that, that, like, that, that display thing by the counter, that heat lamp, and they have food there? I think it's food, right? It's like pizza, and it's like hot dogs, and hot pockets, and like even like empanadas and stuff like that. Do you know people actually buy that food and eat it? Like, I've seen people do it. I mean, I was like, what are you doing? Like, I, I felt like I should, like, should be an intervention. But, but anyway, so you go and you buy all those things and you get that and you're like, all right, well, let me get a little garnishing here for it. So you get some Cheetos and then you're like, I need something to wash it down with. So you get a couple Powerades, right? So you go to your car and you eat all the, the pizza and the Hot Pockets and all that. And then you're washing it down with the Powerade. And you're, as you're driving to your mom's house, you're eating the Cheetos and you get to your mom's house, you have Cheeto dust all over you. And, and you had, you know, you're just, you're just a mess and you sit down and there's this incredible meal that your mother has prepared for you with love and you can't eat a bite of it because you filled up with junk because you filled up with 7-Eleven garbage right we do that what are the things in your life that keep you from hungering and thirsting after righteousness what are the things that you keep coming back to again and again saying this is what I'm going to give myself to this is what's going to fill me up this is what I'm going to feed on this is what's going to satisfy and when Jesus is standing right there and he's saying come to me come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden I'll give you rest why are you doing why do you keep drinking from a muddy cistern when I have living water to offer you what are the things that we come to what is your own personal book of Ecclesiastes because we've all written one. We all could. We all could say, I thought life was about this. I thought life was about getting this degree. I thought life was about getting married. I thought life was about accomplishing this. I thought life was about getting abs of steel. I thought life was about finishing network, uh, Netflix. If I could just finish Netflix completely, then I'm good. And you realize, like, nope, that doesn't do it. See, and that what happens, it, Tim Keller had this quote. I came across it this past week. I think, let's see, I'm, I'm like ahead of myself here, but okay, now here it is. Tim Keller said this, studies find a very weak correlation 
between wealth and contentment. Right? Wealth and contentment doesn't connect. The more prosperous the society grows, the more common is depression. Isn't that interesting? The more you have your FD... Well, I'm, I'm, let, me, I'll read, let me finish reading this and I'll talk about it. After basic needs are met, the things that human beings think will bring fulfillment and contentment don't. See, what happens, and that's why we see so many people who are depressed, we see so... Because we, we kind of, you know, there are challenges and there's inflation and there's difficulty, but, but we have a lot. I mean, there's a lot of prosperity that we have. There's a lot of material benefit and gain that we have. And so what happens is once you realize that you, you know, after your basic needs are met, you realize this doesn't satisfy. This doesn't give me what I thought it would give me. And so what happens is if you don't know any better, you'll get depressed. You'll get discouraged. You'll say, where else can I turn? But we are a people who should know better, right? Because it says this in Isaiah 55, come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what doesn't satisfy? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. And so the first thing is, I think, we fill ourselves up with junk food, right? And so what, what can we do? To, what can we say? I'm not going to pursue this because I want to pursue God. I don't want to be filled with this because I want to be filled with righteousness. The second thing is, maybe for some of us, it's this. We've never experienced the goodness of God. Maybe you've never experienced the goodness of God. And I don't say that to shame you, to judge you. Maybe it's just like kind of a reality. You know, the Bible says that the things of the Spirit are foolishness to those who don't have the Spirit. And so I've read lots of books and, you know, interviews and podcasts and things of people trying to understand why someone like me does what I do or why you do what you do. Why do you love God so much? Why do you want to serve God? Why are you so religious? And people just, they just can't really figure it out. They're just like, it doesn't make any sense why somebody who's like educated and has all these other opportunities, why would they be so religious? You know, maybe it's some kind of a neurosis. Maybe their diapers were too tight when they were a kid. You know, maybe they just have this like overactive conscience and they're really afraid of hell. What they don't understand is how much we get out of it. What they don't understand, it's like, when, it's like when Jesus was teaching some hard stuff and everybody was leaving him and he turned to his disciples and he said, are you guys going to go too? And Peter said, where else are we going to go? You're the one who has the words of life. And so we have found that he's the one who has life, right? He has given us life and given it to the full. He has given us joy. He has given us strength. He has given us hope. He has given us purpose. He has given us all the things that we thought we were going to get out there. We have found that it comes from Him. We have come, we have found that He offers, He offers us a cup of the living water that only He can give, and it satisfies like nothing else in this world. Who here would say this morning, I have drinking from that cup, and it has satisfied me. I have drinking, I've drank from that cup, and it filled me up. I have found that Jesus is telling the truth when He says, I have not come to steal, I have not come to destroy, I have come to give life and give it to the full. That Jesus is true. Jesus is faithful. 
And you know what? Listen, it doesn't mean life is easy. Life is, e- life is hard. Life is tough. We go through stuff. But Jesus promises that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will be with us to the very end of the age. And you see, here's, here's the thing. I think there are a lot of people, maybe that I'm talking to here this morning, where when we talk about the meal that God offers, like what he wants us to fill up on, you have rejected it because you had a really horrible waiter. Right? You had a waiter that was bringing you the meal, but the waiter was a jerk, so you sent the food back. Right? That you had, you had someone in your life who was supposed to be a Christian. Maybe they were a priest. Maybe they were a pastor. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was Aunt Susie. Maybe it was a youth pastor. Whoever it was. They had authority, and they were representing God, but, you know, they were a jerk, or they were mean, or the church was a toxic environment, or whatever it was. And so you didn't like the waiter, so you sent the food back. And so what I want to encourage you, listen, human beings, people are going to disappoint you. People are going to let you down, but Jesus will never let you down because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. And some of you, listen, I'm, I, I'm sorry, like if, and I don't want to trivialize it, but if you've been hurt, if you've been wounded in the church, that's, there's a deep pain that happens when it happens in the church, and I get that, and I'm sorry, but Jesus didn't do that to you. Uh, an, a very imperfect follower of Jesus did. And Jesus is faithful, and he still has a meal for you. And you know what? I've had, I've had people, you know, say to me through the years, you know, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to follow Jesus, or I reject that God, or I don't. One of the things I'll always ask is just kind of like, so tell me about this God that you're rejecting. Tell me, who, who is this God? Tell me about, like, what do you believe about God? Who do you believe he is? And they'll tell me stuff, and, and I'll usually say something like, well, you know what? Uh, I would reject that God also. Like that's not, that, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what you're talking about doesn't sound at all like Jesus. So I certainly understand why you would reject that God. Let me tell you about Jesus. This is what, what Jesus is like. And so, and so maybe it's that, you know what, we just, we haven't, we haven't experienced the goodness of God. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I just want to listen. If there's somebody here right now, and maybe you would say, you know what, I don't know if I've experienced what Phil's talking about. I don't know if I've, as people, what people are amening and saying, I don't know if I've experienced God like that. I want to give you an assignment. And I want you this week, I want you to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray, God, if you're real, I want to taste. God, if you're real, I want to taste. God, if you have a meal that can fulfill me, if I can actually find what, I, what it is I'm looking for in you, God, I want a taste. Would you give me a taste? And I believe that if you pray that prayer, I think God's going to answer that prayer. And I don't, might be immediate, might be next week. It might be some point in the future where all of a sudden something will happen and you'll be like, wow, that's an answer to the prayer that I prayed in the past. Paul said this in Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. You could, you could tell he's someone who tasted the goodness of God and he was just so hungry for others to experience it. He said that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so let me, let me throw out a challenge. If you would say, you know what, 
I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still, I don't know if I've experienced, you know, Jesus to that level. I don't know if I could say that I've been filled up. I want to give you a challenge, something I've done many times before, and I'll probably just keep doing this until they wheel me out. But I want to encourage you to give us a year. To give us a year that, that, you know what, if you come to, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not blessed are, the, blessed are those who have a casual interest in righteousness, right? He says hunger and thirst. And so kind of put your money where your mouth is and, you know, and kind of go all in and say, all right, you know what, I'm going to try for a year or maybe just for six months. I do it for a year, but maybe you could just say, all right, six months. I'm going to be all in. And so like when Sunday comes around, I'm going to get here early. I'm going to sit in the front row. I'm going to worship. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to, you know, engage, you know, fully in everything that's going on. I'm going to get to know some people. And then if you do it, like right now, we've got 21 days of prayer going on for the next two weeks. And so you can come here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. There'll be people here praying and say, I'm going to do it. There's a Holy Spirit night. I'm going to be there for that. There's 40 days of love. I'm going to be part of that campaign. There's opportunities to serve and you go and you do the growth track and, and you get on Team Vineyard and maybe you volunteer in the food bank and you just say, I'm going to go all in because I think that if you'll go all in, your life is going to change, not because the programs in this church are perfect, but because you're going to keep bumping up against Jesus over and over and over again. And you'll be kind of showing with your life that it's like, I'm hungry. I want my life to change. I want to know if Jesus is real. I want to taste and see that he is good. I want, to, I want to give him every opportunity to fill me with what it is that he's promised. And so I want to encourage you. We're at the, basically for us, you know, as a church, we kind of go more with the school year than the calendar year. And in a lot of ways, this is the beginning of our year. And so I want to encourage you to say, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to put all my chips into the middle of the table and I'm going to see what God's going to do. And then the last point is this, real quick here. What is righteousness? Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Real simple. It's right standing with God. It means that you can go, you can go through life knowing that God has your back. As the Bible says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That he's going to fully support you. It means that you know God as your friend. See, Jesus said, I don't just call you servants, now I call you friends. See, what it means is that because Jesus paid the price, right? He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. That means that now the barrier is removed. There's nothing that separates you from him. Jesus paid the price. And so now God can call you friend. Do you know God as a friend? Now, for me, an interesting thing, you know, being a pastor and, you know, whether I'm playing golf with some guys from town or whatever, you know, oftentimes people will say to me, it's like, hey, hey, Phil, could you, could you put in a word for me with the big guy? I get that a lot, you know, and they'll, they'll be like, you know, could you, could you pray? My, my, my daughter's going through our time. Could you, just, could you just talk to the big guy for me? And I'll be like, sure, I'll talk to the big guy. But, you know, you can talk to the big guy, too. The big guy's listening to you. And see, but the thing is, people just think of God as like far away and disconnected and probably a little bit angry and he wouldn't listen to me anyway. But, but you see, the truth is, when you know, when you know that you are friends with God, 
What that means is that he made you on purpose for a purpose. What that means is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. What that means is all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to pass. What that means is his thoughts for you outnumber the sands on the seashore. What that means is he knows, like he loves you so much. He's so dialed in on you. He knows the hairs on your head. Listen, whatever it is you're going through right now, Whatever you're dealing with, that, that you came in here this morning and there's a heaviness or there's a sadness or there's a grief or there's a hopelessness, I want to tell you that God sees, God cares, God is for you. God has been working on a solution to this problem even before you became aware of it. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your friend. He is for you. And when you get to the end, you walk through life and you get to the end of your journey, you will see the big guy himself. And the big guy himself will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. You can know friendship with God. And if you don't know God as a friend, I don't know if you've yet really experienced the, 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 the full benefits of what it means to walk with Jesus. Because that's what it all leads to. It says this in Romans 5, 9 to 11. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, that's what righteousness means. It means that we can be called the friends of God. We know that He has our back. We know that He's with us. We know that we can take our burdens and all the things that we carry and we can give them to Him. And we know that no matter what goes on in this life, no matter how hard it gets, we know that this world, this life is not the end of the story because one day our friend Jesus will come and set up His kingdom and His kingdom will never end. He will rule and reign forever and ever and ever and we'll be there in the front row with King Jesus telling everybody, I know Him. He's my friend. That's my Jesus. Let's stand together. So come Holy Spirit. God, I bless your presence here in this place. Lord, I thank you that you have promised to fill us up. That if we hunger and thirst for you, oh God, we will be filled. And so God, I pray that right now in Jesus' name, you would give us a taste. Maybe, Lord, we, we haven't tasted you before. Maybe we don't know. Maybe it's all new. So, God, so for people who are new to even thinking about you in this way, give them a taste. Give them a taste right now of your goodness, of your presence, of your peace, of your love. Some of you right now, you're feeling that. It's almost even like a weight, like the barometric pressure of the room just kind of changed. That's the Holy Spirit drawing near to you saying, I'm for you. I'm with you. I love you. Taste and see. 
And I think there are probably many of us where we know, we've tasted, but sometimes we forget. And sometimes even though we've tasted the best, we still go to 7-Eleven. And God just right now, he wants to remind you. He wants to remind you of what you know. And so Lord, would you come and just let us taste you again. Let us experience the peace that passes all understanding. Let it come. More, Lord, I bless your presence. I can just sense the Holy Spirit beginning to move and work. And just thank you, Jesus. But I think that there's specifically, I think there's some people who came in here with a really, with a heavy, heavy, heavy heart. There's something you've been dealing with. There's some secret you've been carrying. There's some future thing that you're really afraid of. There's some deep pain. There's something. And right now, your friend, Jesus, is saying, give it to me. That's too big a burden for you to carry. It's too heavy for you. Let me carry it. That's why I went to the cross, so I can carry your burdens. So give it to him. Lord, we just rest in your presence right now. It's, I'll tell you, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good. I've, yeah, it's so good to just be here with you and just know that God is ministering and he's working. Bless your presence. More Holy Spirit. Let it come. Let it come. And I just got to say this. If there's someone here and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an invitation to do that. All you got to do is say, help me, Jesus. All you got to do is open up the door. Maybe you say, I, I, I didn't know that God could satisfy me. I didn't know that Jesus wanted to be my best friend. I didn't know that I could, that I could become God's righteousness in Christ. I didn't know that God could be for me. But now that I know, I want it. And so if that's where you're at, I want to give you an opportunity. All you got to do is pray this prayer. It doesn't matter the words you say. It matters what's going on in your heart. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to taste and see that you're good. I've gone down lots of other roads and they haven't given me what I was looking for. So now I look to you. I believe you're the Son of God. You died for me. You rose from the dead. And I don't understand it all. But I choose to put my faith in you. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. And I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I want to eat at your table. I want to put you in the center of my life. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand.